Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, BBN? We're in here for another episode of Believe in Kentucky. Got AG Aaron Gershon from myself, Vinny Hardy. What's up, AG? What's up, man? How you doing? It's a uh, football season. Full fall practice is underway, so it, the clock is ticking now. It, it's for real now. So uh, media day today, Wednesday, the day we're recording. So a lot of good stuff. We're getting close. Yeah, you're out there in the elements out there. Oh man, melting. <laughs> <laughs> so you got the you got the double dip, man. The Atlanta mm -hmm. for SEC Media Days and then back at Kroger Field for UK football media day, man. You, you got it all covered. Oh yeah, man. I, I'm all I'm always there <laughs> until they tell me to stop coming. I, I'm there. But I won't be in Spokane, Washington because uh Kentucky plays Georgia that weekend. Uh so I won't be there. Uh mm -hmm. nice scheduling, but <laughs> it's what it is. Um, but um, nah, man, it, it was a good time today. Obviously, Atlanta was more, I think, um, as a Kentucky media member, more getting perspective from the other teams and some of their guys where, um, you know, we had about 10 minutes with Stoops and the three players they brought in kind of a, an individual session for local media. But that but his presser was mostly the <clears throat> the big guys from other places getting to catch up with Stoops and we kind of let that to them. But today was really good. To, obviously, Stoops had a press conference. The coordinators, uh, Will Levis, had his own press conference. Not surprising, uh, given what he's capable of doing. And then you got um, every player pretty much available to go up and talk to. So I got to catch up with a lot of them uh, that I, you know, were, have been here and then some that are new. Good stuff. Good stuff. And we'll get into all of that <clears throat> right here on this episode. Definitely appreciate y'all listening. Coming to you courtesy of the Believe Podcast Network. Go to Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, and get every episode, past, present, future, from the archives. You can go to Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, too. Um, feel free to rate and subscribe and review. Give us a little five-star, put a comment. That's a way you can support the podcast, and Aaron and I would definitely appreciate it. Tell your friends about it. You got some... Kentucky fans, you know, I like the podcast. Feel free to spread the word and let them know as well. You mentioned part of Cal's announcements that came out last night from the open practice. And the open practice was also in part with the telethon. Mm -hmm. It was also to help Southeastern Kentucky where the flooding took place. And I was born and raised in Southeastern Kentucky. I'm from Harlan County, a little town called Lynch. Right, the base of Black Mountain, the highest mountain in the state, mm -hmm. and it's right. Everything's been happening right around where I'm from in Perry yeah. County, Knott County, Letcher County, Hyman, Whitesburg, Jenkins, Buckhorn, Hazard. All those are little areas and communities and counties right next to bordering where I'm from, right around where I'm from. My mom and sister are still there in Harlan County. They're doing. Oh man, good um, to hear. Finally got a break in the weather. Some of the rain has subsided, but that's still a lot of devastation in those areas. Yeah. 
just went through the tornado in the western part of the state. Now you have the flooding here in the eastern part of the state. And uh, Cal did the telethon, uh, the open practice, and the crafts were matching donations. Anthony Davis donated three hundred fifty thousand dollars. So a lot of you know eyes are on the region, which is definitely needed good. and appreciated for sure. Yeah, it, it was a pretty good event. I, I was there for it, and. Uh... You know, the crowd was so big, I, I was kind of comparing it crowd-wise to like a watered-down Big Blue Madness. I mean, that's how many people uh, were in the stands. And I, I don't say watered-down in a negative way, just meaning a little bit less the top. You know, they weren't selling the top um, top bowl, and they weren't selling the, the seats right behind – or not selling, they were they were free to go in. But they weren't letting one, anyone in the top bowl, and they didn't have anyone behind the baskets. But the whole lower bowl on each baseline – completely full so it was really cool to see uh so many people support something that literally got put together in 48 hours and hopefully a lot of the people that did take the time to, to come to to rupp arena last night did donate um but they from uh what the announcement was at the end i think it was a little over 2.4 million dollars so uh pretty awesome stuff um Obviously, like you said, the state's been through a lot, a lot of fundraising needing to happen, but there's also going to be, I think, more opportunities for that at Football Fan Day, which is Saturday uh, morning into the early afternoon. So uh, UK is doing everything they can. Obviously, it's not going to be the uh, solution fully, but it, it'll help. And it was, a, it was a really cool event, especially given the fact it really did uh, genuinely seem like the players kind of were coming to Cal saying, all right, we got to do something about it. Uh, especially C.J. Frederick, who uh, obviously played at Covington Catholic and is dating Blair Green, who's an Eastern Kentucky uh, native herself, who's uh, from an area affected by the flooding as well. So uh, really, really cool to see them do all that. And, um, you know, it made for for a fun night and for a really good uh, cause. Yeah, and Blair is from Harlan County, where yep. I'm from. Uh, there wasn't even a Harlan County high school when I was in school. That makes me sound real old, but they... <laughs> They consolidated into Harlan County like 2008. So if I was in high school now, I would have been probably the school that uh, she went to. But yeah, she uh, what Big Blue Madness last year came out with the 606. Six, so. Yeah, a couple. Yeah, whatever. I don't know if that was last year or a few years back, but yeah, she uh, and the women's basketball team was there too, and her and Emma King and uh, Cassidy Rowe, who are all also from the mountains over there, um, all spoke. So just just a really good event um, hit home for a lot of people. And like I said, I hope a lot of the fans that, you know, walked in the building last night didn't just go to watch the practice, but also donated whatever they could. That's right. And Cassidy's class, too. She's been on this podcast, had her yeah. on the other one, and she's a humble young lady. So hope she yes. does well and has success when she gets there, too. Absolutely. Um, We'll get to that other announcement too, as far as you talk about Spokane. But the another thing they're going to do um, is the the blue white, yeah. which the attendance at that at Rep Arena is kind of, but <laughs> they're moving it to Pikeville. And I, I was going to tell you now, it's going to be out the door wherever. Oh that, my God! If it's, if it's at the U Pike Arena or if it's at the Mac or whatever's oh. over there, it's going to be just busting at the scene. Yeah, I already, you know, know when I'm gonna have to go cover that probably and it's gonna be at night and I'm not driving through the night in the mountains there. So I already booked the Hampton Inn downtown to make sure I had it locked up. I ain't losing it. That's gonna be no no, that's a special event. And I actually think they they might be onto something with that. Like you said, the attendance for it, and rightfully so, it's a scrimmage. They're not going hard. Um, it, it, I get why people at Rupp wouldn't want to pay the money to go pay money for concessions, all that, just for that. But like you said, other parts of the state, 
especially Eastern Kentucky right now is being affected by this Pikeville, uh, you know, Hazard, uh, even going down to Bowling Green at another point with Western Kentucky or Paducah. Um, I think they're on to something with this. If they move this thing around the state, uh, keep, you know, I, I think like I've been saying all summer, this is this summer is about winning back the fan base for Calipari. And you could really show that you care not just when an event occurs uh, by spreading the love around the state. And they do that pretty well. But if, man, if they move the blue and white game um, around the state from time to time, uh, I'm not saying it has to happen every year, but if they make this a thing, uh, man, like you said, the tickets would be out the roof. That benefits UK and it benefits the fans too because they get their eyes on them when they might not always be able to make the trip to Lexington. Uh, it's still it's an expensive ticket even when they play the North Dakotas. Uh, it's expensive for a lot of folks, and it's a long drive, and it's a hotel stay sometimes. So um, it's a really, really good idea. I did not expect that one, and uh, I thought that was just a brilliant idea. I really did. Yeah, so two parts. Number one, Pikeville's growing. I mean, it's not as big as Lexington. No. It is growing and you know the university there and mm-hmm. it's gonna be a huge crowd. So like if it is in Pikeville, which it's gonna be, it's gonna be in Sounds like it. That they've got arenas there, the decent size. Corbin's got that Corbin Arena where they had mm-hmm. a virtual region tournament. I mean if they had it there. It, oh my god. <laughs> and like you mentioned, you know, Murray and Paducah or go to Owensboro or Bowling Green. Oh, it would I, mean, I think it would be I mean it, it'd be it makes so much sense too. And I get, you don't want to, it's not like you're traveling far. I mean, it's a, it's a bus ride. It, it's easy. It's great for the fans. It's great for building uh, the program even more. It's good for the players. You know, I, I mean, I bet, I don't think the players circle the blue and white game every year uh, and, and are looking forward to seeing the crowd at that. Uh, I would, I mean, come on, like you said, the crowds are not great and it's not, it's not, you know, a big event, but if you put it in Pikeville, you put it in Owensboro, you put it throughout the state, it, it turns into a big event. And I think it's more enjoyable for those fans and for the players too. Mm-hmm. Second point, you said you're going to drive and get a hotel. <laughs> yeah. You still have to drive back. So we got to get you in the mountains and do some driving or let you ride because born and raised, been driving them all my life. Got yeah. To, to the top of Black Mountain, got to take you to Pine Mountain and, and get you used to some of these curves. Yeah. That- Dur- during the day, it's fine. If I can see, it's fine. <laughs> I, I'm not a night driver, even if you put me on the highway with all the lights. Like, I, I just am not a night driver. So uh, that's the plan as of now. And I, uh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I'm just messing with you, man. I'm just messing with you. I know. You covered the state. You've been, you know, piped with a Paducah and all points yeah. in between already. And I've been to most of the state at this point. I've been to oh, plenty of time in Owensboro, spending time in southwestern Kentucky, been to Bowling Green twice now. So, you know, I, I, that'll actually be my first trip to eastern Kentucky, though, I believe. So I am looking forward to that and seeing the atmosphere. Like you said, the atmosphere should be unreal. It really should. Yeah. I think it'll make for a special event. Yeah, they'll be amped for that for sure. So we got the other announcement that you mentioned, too, uh, which you'll be – uh, at the UK Georgia game, but Kentucky and Gonzaga, Mark Few called in from um, teleconference then, let him know that it's going to be a home and home with the yeah. Zags. Yeah, that's a great one. And I, I think it was on, obviously that's been in the works and that was kind of a cool way uh, to make it official. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, it, it's a huge deal. I think that one, Kentucky's non-conference schedule is a juggernaut. <laughs> I mean, 
come on. We got both Michigan schools now. You got Kansas. You've got um, UCLA. And you've got Louisville. I feel like I'm still missing someone. Obviously, you got Gonzaga now. So, and Kansas. You have Kansas during the Big 12 uh, SEC Challenge. So, man. Notre that, 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 what's that again? Notre Dame again this year? No, that game got bumped to next year. So, at least you don't have that one, too. But uh, it's a brutal schedule. And Gonzaga is going to now the hardest game of them all because you got to go up there this year. Uh, but I think that's going to be an incredible atmosphere that the fans really appreciate next year. I'm sure they're a little bummed that Kentucky's not home first. But uh, I think that'll be a great basketball game. It's a really good early test. Uh, but it's also going to lead to the ultimate overreactions because you got who know I mean Michigan State I don't think is going to be great this year. It's the first game of the year anything can happen but uh, I like Kentucky in that one but man if they lose to Gonzaga if they god forbid they start 0 and 2 oh my god we're not going to hear the end of it uh, until March. So uh, it's a really good test. I really appreciate Cal Perry and Few coming together and making that one happen. Um and it should be a fun game to watch. It does stink that it's a really hard game to travel to, even if I, I don't even know if our company would pay with how expensive that trip would be right. uh, if I wasn't going to be home. So it's a little tough for fans, but they'll make up for it when they come here next year. So uh, really good stuff. The, the only thing, uh, I think the non-conference schedule is something that they've been, <laughs> you know, it's such a happy medium. You want to be able to have those warm-up games because you saw what happened uh, during that COVID year when they played warhead state and then played a bunch of juggernauts the rest of the way um but you also uh, obviously want to challenge yourself and this year they're really really challenging themselves um the only thing i think fans are probably going to be unhappy about is the only non-conference games uh big time at least that are at home are going to be louisville and kansas so you'd, you'd love to get some of those games at home but some of their number of events in gonzago you'll get them in the building next year so uh i i think it's a it's a great addition and I mean, KP may surprise us, but Louisville is just a marquee name in name only yeah. this year, I do believe. So I don't, I don't think they're. I don't think they're there yet, but I think he's going to turn it around. I just don't think it's year one. It's going to be tough in year one. Right, right. So uh, Kansas and Louisville at home, a, a banged up, depleted, shorthanded Louisville team. Um, and was talking with my co-host um, Terry Brown. Mm-hmm. We, as bad as fans may want Gonzaga to be the home game this year, you probably want this team going out there to Spokane as opposed to next year's team because <laughs> this team is about as veteran as it gets. Yes. Oscar Shibway is not going to be scared of Timmy. No. Severe's been around the block. Toppin's been around the block. So you got veteran guys out on that West Coast trip. We saw, look, as bad as last year ended and as many <laughs> peacock gifs as we had to endure. <laughs> We saw this team go to Lawrence. Yeah. Nobody does Kansas that way in no. Fog Allen. So, and we got a lot of returners from last year. So yeah. they're not going to be scared of the kennel and, you know, John Stockton jerseys hanging in the Raptors. <laughs> Whatever. They'll be fine, you know. Yeah, that's Florida. a good. That's a really good point. Because like like we were talking about, I think, last week when they saw, uh, when they got the commitment from uh, – oh, man, who they get the – I can't keep up with the damn commitments these days. Um, uh Edwards, Justin Edwards. Edwards, Justin Edwards. Thank you. Yeah. So when they got the commitment from Edwards and they already have Dellingham locked up and they have um, Reed Shepard, it's going to be a freshman heavy team again. They're going that route and they've got Wagner. 
Yeah, Wagner's probably going to, I still think, is going to join that list. And I think Rob Holland might too. So it's going to be a really, really young team. So it's a good point. And especially that, or you would assume if it's going to be early in the season, just like this year's second game, whatever it's going to be. So yeah, it probably is better that it's this year that they bring in the veteran group, but uh, it's not going to make it any easier just given uh, it's a literally, you got Indy for the Champions Classic, which is a Tuesday. And then four days later, you're on the West Coast playing in uh, Washington against you know, the two-time defending number one overall seed. Uh, I think lost one regular season game the last two years. So, and they beat the breaks off Duke, if I remember correctly. Did they beat Duke? I'm pretty sure they beat Duke pretty good. Maybe, unless it was the other way, uh, where Duke beat them pretty good last year. I know I know they crushed Texas, but Texas wasn't any good. Right. Um, but regardless, it's going to be a tough game, whether Gonzaga beat Duke or not. Uh, last season that they're, they're going to bring all they got it, it Duke won by three. So I'm, okay. I'm off on that, but uh, I know they have, they, they have played a harder non-conference schedule the last couple of years. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I think Gonzaga, I think it's honestly, the more I think about it, it's, it's probably more important of a game for Gonzaga uh, just because they got to prove every year that we're not a product of this crappy conference mm-hmm. uh, and beating Kentucky would help that. Um Obviously, winning a national championship would have solved all that, and they had two really good chances at it. Uh, failed, but I, I think I, I'm kind of in the middle with Gonzaga. That conference sucks, but they're really damn good. They could beat anyone on any given night. So it, that's just going to be so much fun, and uh, uh, we'll be here, here watching. That's right. There was the debate, Was it? I don't know if it was last year, about Auburn was trying to say they were a blue blood, which they're, they're not. Gonzaga's trying to <laughs> Auburn. say – Gonzaga's trying to say that they're a blue blood. I, they are a power now, and they have been around mm-hmm. for 20 years. I mean, Monson, even before a few, back when they were coming onto the scene with, with Dan Dickow and, and all those guys. And now, okay, we know they're not going anywhere. They're going to be in the mix every year. So they are a power. Yes. You can't give them the blue blood, which is – no. You know, multiple titles over multiple decades like Kentucky who was you know 40s 50s I, I, the 60s one one the 70s the night pretty much every decade Kentucky's you know brought home hardware that's that's blue blood stuff yeah I think the only one only team that you can make an argument for that can join that group right now is Villanova because they've won yeah. you know two two last decade they won one in the 80s they're in it every year uh they just got back to the final four they obviously but now it's going to be interesting jay wright retired so we'll see uh how the program goes with the new head coach and uh if it's kind of like duke where it just seems like all the stars align and everything uh keeps going the ship sails but i think yeah gonzaga you got to win you got to win it all to get in that conversation they're they're, but they're a power. They're, they're a really, they're a top five program in the country the last 10 years. Uh, they haven't won at all, but you could say that now Kentucky hasn't won it in 10 years. So you could say the same thing about Kentucky right now. Um, obviously, obviously Kentucky has the history that Gonzaga doesn't have, but uh, recently Gonzaga has been as good as anybody. Uh, it's going to be a war up there, but yeah. I think it's, I think it's as, it's probably still more important of a game for them though. They still got to fight that rep where even if Kentucky wins, I, Kentucky just had, their worst season in school history, followed by their worst tournament loss in school history. No one's not calling them a blue blood. No one's going to take their ESPN games away. Uh, so uh, Kentucky status ain't changing, but Gonzaga's can for the better. And Gonzaga's fighting that perception that Kentucky football fights. I was listening to a show um, 
I think it's out of Birmingham. I'll flip and just get different SEC. Yeah. It was it Matt McLaren's the dude's name? And he was going through the SEC West schools and highlighting each school's most important game. And I forget the Ole Miss. I think he said it was Alabama. He said because yeah. they got them late in the year. And according to him, they're going to be undefeated. Yes. The first half of their schedule was easy. Yeah, that's all over, man. That's all over. Now, they might be favored to win in Oxford. They probably are going to be favored. They will be. That's going to be a tough game. No. Easy. Just say He just dismissed all of – that's what got me. Yeah, there's still that perception. There there really is. Yeah, yeah. So, it's still from people not covering it as close as us or that, ah, it's just Kentucky. Ah, it's just the, so it's all the work they've done and all the improvements they made is still. I think they, I think they like it that way though. Well, I, yeah. I think so. I think it's probably better to fly under the radar because the higher expectation. That's why this is going to be such a hard year, and I think he'll handle it. But that's why this is going to be such a hard year for Will Levis because uh, the spotlight's on him. He's the projected first round pick in one place, the number one pick. Uh, everyone knows his name. You know, you could go up against. Hawaii and the Hawaii fans will know exactly who he is and what he's about. Uh, so he's a guy that everyone knows. He's a guy that, um, you know, is going to draw scouts to the stadium every night. Um, and he's going to be a guy with a, a target on his back. So uh, I think it's better for it to be on one guy. And I think he'll be fine uh, than the whole team where you look at Tennessee every year, they got these expectations uh, even just given because of their history and them being a winning program, they have expectations every year and they fall flat. Uh, you've seen that with Florida a couple times the last couple of years, especially last year. Um, you've, you've seen it with uh, Mississippi State, uh, where they were kind of a dark horse, uh, Mike Leach's debut season, and they won three games or something like that. So I, I think the more buzz you get is not always going to lead to the most success. So I think Kentucky likes uh, flying under the radar. I think if they're not ranked in that, I think they will this year be ranked in the preseason top 25, but I think if they're not, they're only going to use that as motivation. They're not going to care at all. Uh, They see SEC Mike who had him uh, fourth in his power rankings earlier this summer. And now they're magically projected to finish fifth in the East. So, uh, you know, that type of stuff, I I think they just love it. I, I think that's like, okay, thanks. Uh, type of the thing. So uh, Kentucky will definitely fight that uphill battle. But uh, yeah, any game they play won't be an easy one. Uh, the only team they have to prove that is Georgia because uh, uh, while they played them pretty well last year, they still haven't beaten them since Stoops has been here. And uh, they've beaten the brakes off them a couple times, Georgia has. So that's the only game where that's the only game or fan base that I think, or Alabama, but <laughs> only game on their schedule that the fan base. I wouldn't blame them for turning an eye. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, you know, get Georgia late in November and maybe just however you handle this first part of the year, if you (laughs) handle all the praise. There's a lot of traps. There's a (laughs) lot of traps now. I mean, uh, like, I mean, that old, and on a serious note, that old miss game is probably the toughest game for Kentucky in the first half of the season. I think Florida is going to be really tough just because got to play down there. Uh, but I just think this year being the first of a new coaching staff, I just, I don't know how, how I feel about Florida. It's really hard to project Florida. I don't know what to expect. Um, but you know, obviously none of the, those early non-conference games scare you. And then I believe, 
I believe there might be a game. Oh no, Ole Miss is the game right after Youngstown State. So you're you're you come back to um, you come back to our Northern Illinois week four. So you come back to SEC play uh, fresh off the three non-conference games, the two MAC teams, and then the FCS uh, Youngstown State game, and then you play uh, Florida week two. So Ole Miss is the return to the SEC play after three weeks of games that you feel like you should win pretty handedly. So or two weeks that is so. That that one is scary, and then obviously you still got to prove you can beat Tennessee. I mean, uh, they're they're still not doing it. I mean, they won it in 2020, uh, but who knows? There's a lot of factors in that year. You know, you could you could put a lot of asterisks outside of Alabama. They were a machine, uh, but you could put a lot of asterisks on the 2020 season. Um, I'm so Kentucky, back, I'm not giving. Yeah, it, I'm not gonna give it back. I will take, oh, you're not. No, 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 no. Take that 34-7 the Neyland, yeah, the Neyland streak is over. It's yes. dead. Yes. But last year you had the better roster and you lost. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they're they're going to be good offensively. I don't know about defense. And then uh, I think the so that's another game. And then Missouri's a trap because that place is boring. <laughs> no one goes to the games. It's in the middle of the state in between KC and St. Louis. Uh, they don't have a great follow. They're, they're, they're like a – the rivals uh they're like a a better version of vanderbilt fan base wise in my opinion that stadium just is dead um but missouri is a physical football team that's really really inspired to win that game um so that's a trap that's a tough game so those are the three on my schedule on my on my radar if they could get by florida tennessee and um actually i guess four on my radar florida tennessee um, Ole Miss and Missouri. If they can at least go three and one in those games, I think that gives you a chance going into the Georgia game. Hmm. And doesn't that Missouri Stadium have like rocks at the end zone? Yeah, have... it's a joke. <laughs> it's a oh, joke. Yeah. Yeah, but... I, I, I actually haven't been, but I've been I've been told so many stories, especially from Dick Gabriel, who's obviously been on the field there, you know, on and off every other year the last ten. Uh, and that's, I think he likes Vanderbilt better. So, wow. <laughs> I mean, Nashville's pretty cool. So maybe that's part oh, yeah. of it, but, uh, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a better review in November, but, uh, yeah, I'm not really, my expectations are on the floor for Mizzou in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, November. Yeah, we got to get Gabe on here on an evening that works out for his schedule too. Mm-hmm. He's the man. Got to get Dick on here to talk. Yeah, he is the man. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Now, we we still don't really know anything new on Chris Rodriguez yet. Nothing. I heard Stoops talking today. I'm feeling the radio, but he's mentioning the running backs, and he mentions you know Juton McLean, Lavelle Wright, yeah, and Ramon Jefferson. Ramon Jefferson. And, and oh, and we also have Cavassier Smoke. What has happened with the downfall of Cavazier Smoke and Willie? You want to hear something really funny? You want to hear something really funny? So today I was just walking by him and, you know, they certain guys were requested. So had to make sure that, you know, the UK athletic staff was on them to make sure they were staying out. So the people that they requested could find them. And the, you know, the UK assistant, uh, at, was checking with Cavassier to make sure he had no interviews. They said, Nope, everyone forgot about me. They don't care about me anymore. Uh, so it's funny you say that because he's an interesting one, man. I think obviously the speed has always been there. Um, the run after contact has always been there. Um, but the two things I think that have hurt him 
with some injury issues, especially during that 2020 season and fumbles. He's lost the ball. And I, I think they've also been a little upset with some of the things, um, not off the field, but on the field from a focus standpoint. Um, I remember there was that one play against Louisville where he was kind of showboating and that should have been a touchdown. And I think he got tackled after 70 yards at like the four yard line uh, in that 2019 game. So I think the little things like that kind of, you know, the coaching staff probably got on him a little bit and let's face it, he's not a great receiving back and Juton McLean is. So I think that earned Juton the playing reps when he got back from the off field. Uh, I don't know. It wasn't a suspension, but in the, the legal proceedings last year. Uh, but I think they value Juton more because he's a good receiving back and they're in a pro style offense. So that's going to play. Obviously you're never going to get ahead of C rod on the death chart. If he's available, he's, he's C rod. And then you look at what Lavelle Wright did in a short sample size last year, really good. Michael Drennan's a really good receiving back if he gets his chance. And then they bring in Ramon Jefferson, man, two 1,000 yard seasons at the FCS level. And I, I talked to him alone for about three minutes today. Uh, really good dude and guy who is just so excited to be in the F- in the SEC after going. He was at two FCS, Maine and um, Sam Houston State, and he also did a year at Garden City Community. So this is a guy who's played at every level of college football except the big show. So this is his shot. And he's a guy, like I said, he was a second-team AP All-American last year. So he's a, he's a talent. Uh, so he's buried on this death chart. And if you remember during the spring game, he, he was only getting reps in the third and fourth quarter. And he was on, he was like fourth-team offense uh, during the open practice. So it's really interesting because he's a, I really like his energy. I really like every encounter I've ever had with him has either been funny or just uh, insightful. Uh, I think he's a really good kid, but he's buried on the step chart. Uh, but he saw something that he didn't, he could, because it's easy to click and enter that transfer portal. And for whatever reason, he didn't do it. So they must have some sort of plan for him. Uh, but I, I think if Chris misses any games, I think Juton's probably going to start. I think Roman's, Roman Jefferson's probably going to be the number two back. And then, you know, you'll see some, maybe Lavelle Wright and Michael Drennan and Smoke in there as well. But I, I just don't see a path for him to get uh, a ton of carries or ever kind of be the same guy he was in 2019 or some of 2020. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But the the showboating thing that you mentioned right before the end zone, we we have seen that before. AJ Rose. We we saw AJ Rose. And remember, he was in the doghouse too. He was in the and and smoke is the one who took over for him. But yeah, AJ Rose did that as well. And that and that, you know, that that whole year after that, it was start C Rod, start C Rod, start smoke. So no, it 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 was a mistake, but if those little things add up, and we don't see what happens at practice, if that stuff's happening at practice. Uh, you know, there's a re- there's just a reason for everything, and we don't know everything, but uh, you hate to see it just because he he had that awesome year in 2019, and he did some really good things uh, in 2020 and a little bit when he was healthy last year. So uh, maybe you know things work out. He has a really good fall camp. He moves up the depth chart a little more, but uh, as of now, I just I just don't see him having a very big role in the offense. Yeah. Do you have any other? Interactions with with players, yeah. Marrow or Marillo, <laughs> did you get some? Yeah, I talked with Kedron Smith, new corner from Ole Miss. It was really good to hear his perspective, and uh, he talked about obviously that it was cool to have Jaquez Jones around, but that wasn't really the selling point. Uh, it was more what he d- did, just hearing about Kentucky and then talking with 
uh, Brad White and Chris Collins, the defensive backs coach, uh, talked with D Beckwith. So Beckwith is um, not going to be a running back. He is listed as a wide receiver, which makes sense. He's 6'5". <laughs> but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's kind of fits that wide receiver tight end hybrid mode, maybe even slides into some H back, but he, he talked really highly about this group, the receivers and how close he's already become with everyone. Uh, you know, really liked what he saw from Will from the other sideline at Tennessee last year. So uh, good to talk to him for a few minutes and then talk to maybe one of the more interesting questions, which is a good thing. This is an interesting question. That means your football team is pretty good. Uh, the backup quarterback battle between Deuce Hogan and uh, Kaya Shuren. And I talked to, I didn't see Deuce. So I talked to Kaya for a good uh, couple of minutes and really, really impressed with this kid. He's really, really smart. Uh, and he pretty much talked about, you know, he obviously wished both the best. And he talked about how Deuce and him are really close and they're helping each other. It's a friendly competition. And he also talked about how Will is like almost over the top with how much he's teaching them. Just he breaks down every little thing that he does. He's really good at explaining the good and the bad, the mistakes and the, and the success. Um, so he's learning a ton from Will. Uh, he's, you know, he's making the most of an opportunity and, uh, with Bo Allen gone, obviously it's there for the taking, but from what some of the comments too, that Mark Stoops and Rich Grand girl made, it uh, sounds like they're actually pretty happy with what they've seen. And maybe actually, I think Rich specifically said, he's actually um, been surprised with how well uh, Deuce Hogan and Kai Sherwin have played. So that's, that is encouraging because there's always that, what if there's an injury question, but, um, and obviously just want to have depth with the position uh, going forward because, you know, God forbid you can't get the guy you want in the transfer portal next year. Uh, it's going to be one of these guys. So, um, yeah, it was good to catch up with him a little bit. But and yeah, that, like I said, if if backup quarterback is one of your big camp battles, that's a good thing. <laughs> it means you have a lot of talent on your football team. Once I've been thinking other than 2019, when Terry was the established starter, obviously got hurt. There have been very few years where there hasn't been a quarterback battle or since Stoops has been here. So for it to only be a backup quarterback battle uh, is pretty darn good. So um, that was a good conversation I had with him. And then I just pretty much listened in on a couple others. But uh, it was a fun. It was a fun day. It was fun seeing everybody and, uh, you know, plenty of press conferences to come, including on Saturday after fan day. So um it's it's here man They're, the pads are coming back on and uh we're a month out yeah we we had what was it gunner hoke and terry wilson you talk about battles that was gunner hoke and terry wilson <laughs> yeah you had um you had joey gatewood will levis bow allen last year yeah. you had patrick tolls and drew barker you had uh, Jalen Whitlow and Maxwell Smith, and they ended up just playing together. So uh, obviously uh, 2016 was Drew Barker and Steven Johnson. So, you know, there's a lot of quarterback. And I guess, so the two years that wouldn't have been a quarterback battle other than this year would have been 2017 when you, Steven Johnson was your guy. And then 2019 when you knew Terry Wilson was going to be your guy. Yeah. Even 2020, Terry Wilson had to battle Joey Gatewood. Because Terry Wilson was coming off the torn patellar tendon, and Joey Gatewood was the big <laughs> top fifty prospect from Auburn, who is now a tight end at UCF. So it uh, tells you everything you need to know. And I wish the best for Gatewood. That's not a knock on him, but it just tells you it doesn't always work out. But uh, uh, yeah, for Eddie Grand, <laughs> Eddie Grand, the dude, he never was able to to have a 
QB one start and finish the year. It was always make adjustments on the fly and throw in back up and just hang on and just do the best we can. He never had a Levis for a whole year. No, never, you know, but, always adjusting to the injury. And I really like Eddie Grant because I think he's a master at, like you said, making the best of what he had and obviously transformed that offense mid-year in 2019 for Lynn. So this is – I don't want this to be a kill Eddie Grant session here, but there's a reason they couldn't get the quarterback. They didn't like the, – the, the recruits looked and they didn't like what they saw because it was more of a run game. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but the reason he wasn't able to get that quarterback is – he didn't have the eye candy Liam Cohn has. He doesn't have the, the pro-style offense or the, you know, Liam Cohn had the Rams on his resume. Rich Scrangrello has the Broncos, the Falcons, and all these quarterbacks, and they're going to continue to recruit, I think, the quarterback position really well. So Eddie Graham, I think, is an offensive mastermind in the sense he can put together a playbook for the strengths of his football team. He's really good at run, uh, run offense and all that, but I just don't think they were able to lure that quarterback prospect in because they didn't know what to – they were just – there wasn't that excitement in the offense. And I think that's why Will Levis is just larger than life for this program now and in the future. Uh, I mean, you look at some of the quarterbacks they had right after Tim Couch. They had Jared Lorenzen and they had Andre Woodson. The quarterback play was really good, and I think that was partly because Tim Couch was an inspiration. Uh, I think Will Levis is having the same impact. Dusty Bonner had a good season before. Dusty Bonner, I don't – yeah, absolutely. I think – you you say that um you know Eddie's got the run game, but he doesn't have the eye candy because Liam had the eye candy. They still toted the rock. I mean, C Rod. Oh yeah, C Rod is the they returning did. SEC. They were balanced though. They were right. balanced. So it's, it it proves that it can be done. Yes. You know, Eddie didn't have the eye candy to get quarterbacks to maybe nope. want to. And I thought. You know, you got Grant and Henshaw coming. Like, oh, wow, this is going to – but, I mean, yeah, just yeah. for whatever reason, it never really took off the way it yeah. should have. It know. was a tough decision for Sue because, you know, those are two really – I mean, they're classy guys. I've really, I really enjoyed my interactions with both those guys. And it's cool seeing Eddie around the program again. He was there today. So that's all good. But he made the right decision. He really did. I mean, the, that this is just a way of college football now. Guys want to see what can you do for me? How can you get me to the next level? And Kentucky was not getting quarterbacks to the next level at all. I mean, since Andre Woodson, I think, got drafted by the Giants and had a chance in training camp. I think that might have been the last quarterback out of Kentucky drafted. So, you know, that's important. I mean, it really is. And I think, you know, if Will Levis, if he becomes the number one overall pick or just even a first or second round pick, Guys are going to turn on the TV, see that, and say, okay, I'm going to seriously consider Kentucky now. Yeah. Now, I know you are New York all the way, right? Yankees. Absolutely. Knicks. Okay, and Giants. So, even though you're a Knicks fan, hate Dreadful. the Celtics. You got to pay respect when we see about the passing of oh, yeah. Russell. The, the winning is winner to oh. win, man. <laughs> yeah, two 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 sport icons this week. Vin, Vin Scully, too, yeah. like mm-hmm. the best, the voice. I think he's just the best sports broadcaster of all time, uh, undebated. And then obviously Bill Russell, the best winner uh, there is in any sport. And just obviously did a lot after the game, um, coaching and obviously off uh, charity work and all that. And stand up guy, uh, winner. And 
yeah, there's nothing nothing bad you can say about him. I, I don't care what team he played for. Just an icon, one of the guys you grew up learning about uh, since he was before your time and, um, you know, always enjoyed hearing stories about him. So really sad to see that. And obviously Vince Scully yesterday was – that was a tough one. I mean, he's a, he's a guy – like pretty much every cool moment in baseball that happened before I was born, and then some of them obviously uh, in the 2000s and in the last – uh, before he retired in 2016, you know, they're all Vin Scully, right? I mean, every single one, Sandy Koufax's perfect game, Kirk Gibson's home run, uh, the Billy Buckner uh, error. I mean, all those big moments are Vin Scully's voice. So uh, that was another tough one. So two icons, absolutely. Hank Aaron passing. Baby. Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, Bill Russell, I mean, winning as a player and a coach, like you said, winning – Two NCAA championships. And oh, that's right. Uh, every, couldn't lose. Every winner go home game, he was like undefeated. He uh, never, 17 and 0. Never 17 won. and 0. Uh, yeah, still had, you know, civil rights and things he dealt with in Boston. Exactly. Point. And so both of those guys. And me, I know you're a big baseball guy. Your dad's yep. a fan. You're born in New York. These names were from when I was a kid, but they might be before your time. But me being little, Vince Scully, when I was a kid, I didn't know if his name was, is it Vince Cully or Vince <laughs> Cully, as when I'm like 10 or 11. Right. The same way, you probably heard these names, you heard your dad talk about them. There were two dudes who played baseball. There was um, Mackie Sasser. Is it Mackie uh-huh. Sasser or uh-huh. Mackie Sasser? And I never did know when I was a kid. And then you had Nick Sasky or Nikki Sasky. I'm like, it, I, all the three of those right. names, kind of like the, the Larry Cable guy. Is it Pet Smart or Pet Smart? <laughs> <laughs> I know that's corny, but that was why no, I, yeah. I loved all three of those names with Vince Scully, you know, whatever. I just, one of those, you can't tell where the first name ends or the last name ends. Right. It's, it's just those yeah. way associated with that. But yeah, he was, he just painted the picture and a lot Perfectly. of. Perfectly. He was calling by himself. He was by himself the whole, you know, the whole game. It's insane. It's insane. I don't know who else could do it. He's just, like you said, he painted every picture. There was never a situation that was too big for him. I saw a couple clips uh, that were surfing today, surfer uh, surfacing today, like these crazy, you know, plays where it's a, you know, a pickle and it's a six, seven, four, eight, three out, put out. And he he's all over it. And there was a, a video of Zach Granke and Carlos Quentin getting into it a couple of years ago, a fight between the Padres and Dodgers. And he broke that, that thing down. He could call a fight pretty damn well, I'm sure too. So uh, he was, he was the absolute best. Um, so like, yeah, like you said, two guys, uh, two guys far larger than life that you can't go anywhere, even if you're not a sports fan, that people don't know who they are and don't respect what they did, uh, uh, you know, gone this week. And Vern Lundquist, who was a legend, I saw a clip of Vern talking about Vin Scully when he was calling Hank Aaron's home run. Yeah. How, how Vin would just sometimes let the crowd tell you on the radio, instead of trying to talk over it and come in with some slick, saying he just he would just and Vern said that Vin turned his back away from the mic for a few seconds just wow. so he would not jump mess in it up and say anything and then he, you know what and then he had the perfect line on you know 
how significant that moment was not only in baseball history, but civil rights history. Right. I mean, Hank Aaron in the deep South getting that type of applause and that type of, you know, fanfare and people running on the field to shake his hand. Rick I mean, he, yeah. And he, he put, I, it was just perfect. It was <laughs> only, and, but I don't think anyone else could have done that. I just don't. No. no. So I knew we had to talk about, Get our UK discussion in, but yeah, no, that's some, those are icons. Yeah. Anytime, no one won't know those names, no one will forget those names. That's right. And I got to ask you too about your Twitter. I tell y'all every week follow Aaron at agershawn 99 Not your that's profile pick is which, which you're at Rupp Arena. No, oh, the, the cover, the the header deal. Are you yeah. the Yankees locker room? What Brewers, yeah. So that so how that came about. We talked about Dick Gabriel earlier um on the show but back in 2019 when i was working with his radio show um someone from he did some freelancing gigs with mlb network radio uh, on sirius and what they wanted him they wanted dick to go to cincinnati to cover the brewer reds game because the brewers were about to clinch a playoff spot and they needed sound from the locker room um when the brewers were celebrating and dick let me go instead so i got to cover that uh the brewers won big that night and you know that was their postseason celebration so that was me interviewing christian yellich someone happened to take that picture i found it on google the next day uh so i was in i was interviewing christian while he was getting and christian wasn't even healthy actually he came to celebrate uh he had broken his leg that year so he was already out for the year um but i got that interview in i talked with uh, lorenzo kane who just retired uh, a couple of weeks ago, won a World Series in Kansas City. Uh, amazing dude. Uh, and Bruce Sutter, who's a relief pitcher, Harvard alum. They called him the dinosaur because he had that funky uh, motion. And uh, he, he was a good guy. And talked to Josh Hader as well, who just got traded uh, to the Padres. So that was <laughs> that was a highlight of my sports career, uh, sports journalism career, and uh, an opportunity that Dick handed to me that I couldn't be more thankful for. But yeah, man, I found that picture. I was just looking through on Google the next day. I wasn't even trying to find anything specific. And I caught that and I was like, wow, I don't even know who took it. I don't know where I got it from. So uh, appreciate them snapping that. But uh, yeah, that was a, that was a pretty cool moment a couple of years back. And uh, champagne does hurt the eyes, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> it hurts. I goggle up. Yeah, I, I, they didn't give me any. <laughs> That's messed up. Right. Out of your moment, but your eyes hurt. But I guess. Oh, my eyes hurt like hell, but it was worth it. Man. Well, I definitely had to ask you about it. I had never seen it. I just, I was like, well, I got to ask you about it next episode. Oh, that was one of the coolest days. Yeah. That was so cool. That is awesome. Got to get in a word, too, about our friends at Lots of Rain Watches. Timeless watches with pride, built and designed for watch enthusiasts. Lots of Rain Watches are made to last with a careful selection of materials and components. This focus on detail from the design to your wrist provides our customers with a great watch at any price. Go to LaTorraine.com, L-A-T-O-U-R-A-I-N-E.com. Get on the website and you got a question, hit the chat button. Dave, the owner himself, will get you the answer to the question that you're looking for so you can make an informed purchase. LaTorraine watches, accessories for men, women, casual, formal. They got anything you need, LaTorraine.com. And our friends at Sea of Blue always put these episodes of the podcast up on their site. And we definitely appreciate them for doing that. I think Jason Markham was at Rupp today as well. I don't know if you... Oh, was he? Not yet. I think he was going. Ben, too. But um, 
good people down there, as you well know, and we definitely appreciate them. AG, man, we got another good episode in here. You dropping knowledge, and everybody go to the Cat's Paws, follow him, and check out your series, your countdown of the 100 best players of the Mark Stoops era. And we got... We got the football yearbook across the state, stolen swords and online that you can order, by the way. That one, uh, I had a one-on-one with Will Levis and Jaquez Jones. Daryl Bird, uh, our editor, has been there forever. Uh, really good photographer and good good writer, too. Had one with DeAndre Square and got all the position player breakdowns that are all stories based on, you know, with quotes from the spring. And uh, also, obviously, every year we do the full high school breakdown, every team in the state. So, uh, go pick that up if you can. That that's a huge help to us. And one more little thing too, we talk, you know, we talked about the guy saying how easy Ole Miss's schedule was, and they're going <laughs> to through. This is a homecoming for Jaquez and Keaton Smith. They're yeah, going it is. back to Ole Miss. You know that they're yeah. not about to get embarrassed going up against guys they played with. I'll say, like that. So that's I'll say this as uh, to to go get that yearbook because I'm not allowed to post the story online. Jaquez Jones is from Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. He grew up hating Alabama. He was a Florida Gator fan. He went to Ole Miss, and now he's at Kentucky. The dude is like the SEC. He is the definition of it. It means more. Uh, so uh, definitely should go read that. That was kind of the whole the story. That's where it kind of uh, kind of went from, and you know how it how he got to each place. How he became a Florida fan. Why he didn't like Alabama. Uh, though he did have some love for Alabama. His uncle played there, but. Um, Still, it's a really good story. I really enjoyed talking to Jaquez. It gave me a, a good amount of time over at the football facility back in June. So, uh, really good guy, uh, perfect guy you want as a leader on this team. Yeah, I definitely got to get mine ordered and get my get my read on for sure. I yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you, man, hopping on here and and being a good part of the podcast. Enjoyed these episodes. We got some guests coming. Not going to spoil it, but there'll be some yes. more joining us soon on some upcoming episodes. Um, and we look forward to that as well. Hope everybody enjoys it. For my man, AG, this is Vinny Hardy. It's been another episode of Believe in Kentucky. And we will holler at y'all next week. Rate, review, subscribe, and everybody take care. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube